Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello there. I am Andy Anatko, and this is episode 284. 284? Yes, 284. <laughs> I tripped myself up there. 284 of the material podcast. I updated everything in the show doc except for the actual episode number. Uh, I am alone this week uh, because, unfortunately, uh, Flo got a little bit of a flu bug uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday. I know that this is 2020, and so we always are asking ourselves, is it the flu? with a, Or is it the flu with a capital C? It doesn't seem to be cause for worry uh, i've been talking to her it seems as though she just has the, one of those normal like pain in the butt uh flus only it's a you know pain in the head and pain in the achy body and that sort of thing uh and we certainly expect her to be back next week she can certainly tell to talk to you all about that when the time comes so you're stuck with just me this week i know that uh, a uh, a uh, material podcast without florence ion is joy halved at the very least uh but we'll we'll we'll, we'll all suffer through this together so how did I do for Thanksgiving? This is this was one of the weirdest Thanksgiving ever, and not just for 2020 reasons. The the the, the slide of my personal plans and expectations was just an interesting thing for me to observe because I when I do Thanksgiving alone uh, every three or four years, I do enjoy cooking the entire meal exactly the way I like it and eating exact whenever the meal is ready without any stress uh, or anything like that. I very rarely like cook myself a six course, <laughs> six course meal with a, with a, and bake a pie for myself. Uh, if I'm the only person that's going to be there, I should, because you know what, Andy, you like yourself and you should treat your, you should treat one of your favorite people to a fancy dinner every now and then. But the problem is that I also, I would also have to cook myself this fancy dinner and also clean the kitchen after this fancy dinner. And so my expectations started to slide down to, well, maybe I'll just buy a turkey breast and just have the cook, cook the turkey breast and just make myself some really, a really nice sandwich, a couple of really nice sandwiches. Then it went down to, doesn't the restaurant that's just like uh, around the block, aren't they doing like uh, really, really nicely made uh, pick up and pick up and then heat it later, complete meals for like 20 or 30 bucks. Maybe I should do that. And then by the time I actually got to the day before Thanksgiving, I really did just ask myself, what do you want to do most of all on Thanksgiving? What in Thanksgiving of 2020 would make this perfect? And I decided that what I would really like most of all is just a really good pizza from the place around the around the corner that I really, really like and spend the entire day eating this lovely large pizza. I will <laughs> fill the ice chest with actual ice and then uh, Dr. Pepper and spend the entire day watching Mystery Science Theater 3000 and the Thanksgiving-themed episodes of Bob's Burgers that have been broadcast over the years. And it was perfect. It was one of the best Thanksgivings ever. Never left my – got I got out of bed. I, I did brush my teeth, but I didn't shave, didn't change out of my jammies. Uh, it was – I was kind of like on the go until 1 or 2 in the morning just <laughs> assiduously – and and uh, out of a sense of duty and obligation and responsibility and resolve, just watching television and eating pizza all day long. And this was and, <laughs> and so that I had a lot to be thankful for. I hope that your Thanksgivings were just as odd in just as pleasant a way. They were definitely going to be odd, uh, weren't they? Uh, then, of course, the next step was Friday and became time to spend lots and lots of money. The I'm, I'm embarrassed. 
no, I'm not embarrassed. I'm kind of proud of how absolutely trivial almost all of my purchases on Black Friday were because I I had a sort of a hunting list ready for myself over the past that I built over the past couple of months. Impulse buys, of course, they're terrible. You de- you you'll long past the the years when you're going to see terrific terrific deals that if you don't jump on this right away, Oh boy, you're going to regret it later on because you'll you'll never find this again. You'll never find this at this price again. No, they're they're on to us. They know that we're just suckers who are bored and bloated and trying to kill time until we can excuse ourselves to have a have another go at that pie. And so it's the it's the day to it's the weekend to sort of unload the crap. So instead, I just whenever there is sort of a major ish purchase that I'm contemplating from August, September, October onward, I'll just like add it to a list. Because there's probably a good a good chance that the specific thing that I want to get will at least be ten or twenty percent off. So there are a lot of really boring things. The, the only spectacularly uh, big thing I bought was my first real office chair, in what must be twenty years. Even I bought I bought my first real office chair probably twenty years ago. It gave up the ghost finally. Uh, 10 years ago so much so that I didn't bring it with me uh, when I when I moved but I've been sitting on I'm sitting on the I've been using the chair that I'm using right now it is a anybody who <laughs> I can't uh, I, I can't I don't know if there's a name for it but if I just say it's probably the slide out chairs that you had in junior high or high school uh, if you had the sort of school where the chairs were not attached to the little desk that's exactly the chair it is it's like steel base like a sort of a roundy sort of seat and a roundy sort of back. The what I love about these chairs, and you'll I'm sure you'll have this wonderful little like memory of an endorphin rush. If you sit with like you put your your hands against the table and then like sort of push lean backward, the 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 back of the chair is located in such a place that it will give you this wonderful like chiropractic crack 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 effect on your back that will get you through the last 15 minutes of calculus class or whatever. Uh, now I, I insist that it is sort of an, e- sort of an ergonomic chair because the, the, one of the biggest health issues of sitting at a desk uh, all day long, particularly if you work for home and you don't, you're not getting up to, uh, to, to get to your car, you're not getting up to take a walk to, uh, to, to get home and stuff like that is that you are just sort of sedentary. The thing about this hard chair with no padding on it, I don't even have like a cushion like tossed on top of it, is that it means that it does get uncomfortable if I'm sitting here for more than 30 or 40 minutes. And I will automatically start shifting around in my seat and sort of moving the, the pressure points around. And definitely, it's not like I'm I'm never getting into a state of pain, but it is, I'm, I am definitely motivated to, get out of the chair and walk around the office or walk to walk across the, uh, across the room to pick up something or do something like that. And I've never had any back problems, never had any neck problems, nothing like that. So I was almost committed to saying, this is, this is part of what makes me uh, quirky and unique. This is, this is, this will make me colorful when they write my biography uh, <laughs> in some days. And, but then uh, the thing is I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to a time where I can have like guests over again. And, uh, and it's, and the, in the before times I would have house guests over for a couple of days and they don't have a comfortable place to sit when they need to do their work. So 
okay, Andra, I thought that I'm I'm not worthy of buying nice chairs for myself, but if I can buy a, spend a lot of money on a nice chair for the benefit and the comfort and the health of my friends, then gosh darn it, that's worth five hundred dollars of anybody's money, isn't it? So yes, yeah, so that's that's what finally got me to uh, to to finally make that leap. Uh, uh, pun uh, anticipated. Yes, it is a steel case leap chair. I've been looking for looking around. These are one of two or three different models that I thought was going to work. Bought it at uh, as you almost should buy any uh, personal office chair. The companies, of course, buy them by the buttload, by the truckload. And then when they downsize or they change offices, they just simply sell it to a, a reseller. Uh, so I found a reseller that uh, had uh, does they don't just sort of vacuum the seat off. They they actually replace all the foam. They replace all the fabrics. They replace the the gas cylinder. So it really is kind of a remanufactured thing. And you wind up getting it for a thousand dollar chair for in my case four hundred and ten dollars. Shipping including Black Friday prices, there was like a site wide sale of ten percent, so that's good. I did buy the uh, that that extra Google Home Max speaker that I talked about last week, uh, three hundred bucks down to one hundred and fifty. That's certainly a deal. The only little quandary I'm left with is that I, I have this really nerdy brain where I I now have a pair of stereo Google Home Max speakers in the bedroom. But now I have this one loose Google Home Max speaker that I intended to put in this sort of ballroom sort of area uh, in the rest of the in in the rest of my uh, rest of my place here, so that I could extend the wireless music streaming thing, so that it really does really a nice big speaker to uh, big speakers in all places. But some, there's something logically in my brain that says. But if there's a stereo pair in this section, there should be a stereo pair in the other section. Or conversely, I should split up the stereo pair in the bedroom so that it's the Google Home Max part of this 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 set is all individual speakers that are just booming sound into every corner of the. I know it's it's a sickness. I I, I will deal with it. I have managed to talk myself out of saying, well, when you when you be able to solve this problem just by buying another one of these speakers? No, that would not be a solution, Andy. We are not going to do that. Actually, I did buy another type of speaker. This is, I, I found this sort of interesting. Uh, the, uh, it was a, an Amazon Black Friday deal, the Oontz Angle 3, version 3, number one by Cambridge, by Cambridge Soundworks. How much do you love the the the, the brand name Oontz for, for, for a speaker? Like Oontz, 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 I, I just want to give them a little bit of money just for that. Maybe, maybe a cup of coffee money for that. But I, I've I've owned the first version of this for years. It's a wonderful little speaker. It's the si- it's size of a tr- it's a triangular shaped. It's uh, kind of like uh, Neil Young's Pono player. <laughs> the when they he tried to convince everybody that we were all fascists for buying compressed music or buying music on CD. But it is a good good design for speakers. Not necessarily pocketable, but it's very very easy to carry around. Uh, and this one was half off again, uh, nineteen twenty bucks. I was very, very pleased with it because I discovered that they've made a whole bunch of improvements. Uh, not only uh, I didn't expect it to be USB 3 charging instead of micro USB, but, oh, that's great. So I don't have to ch- pack another cable, pack another charger if I'm uh, taking this little speaker with me when I'm spending a couple of days in New York or something. Uh, but you also can, much like you can pair individual Google uh, Google Home speakers or Nest Home speakers into stereo pairs. Turns out if you buy a second one of these Oons Angles 3, you can actually set it up as a stereo pair. So that's something I'm kind of interested in. And it's it's weird. Now you're, you're probably thinking that it's very, very odd 
that here for years and years and years when we i and flo have been talking about all these google home speakers we have and how wonderful it is to be able to to chromecast audio wherever we want so why on earth andy do you even care about having bluetooth speakers around well it's because um I've discovered the majesty of having an individual speaker right next to the bed. Now, I did set up two Google Home mini speakers as a stereo pair, like left left nightstand uh, and right nightstand. The problem is that, as we have lamented in the past, I can't Chrome. I can't use that as audio output from uh, from my uh, uh, from my uh, uh, Google TV Android TV thing that I've got plugged into the bedroom TV. So. What I've what I've fallen back on is isn't it isn't it much better to simply set this as a Bluetooth speaker that's dedicated that's linked to my my Google TV whenever I turn the speaker on it automatically connects and it solves a problem that I didn't think needed to be solved. Uh, late at night, there's something conceptual about the idea that it's, it's one in the morning. I don't really want to fill the bedroom with sound. I just want to be able to clearly hear the dialogue of whatever movie or video I'm, I'm watching at the at the time, and a forty dollars speaker on sale for twenty bucks placed a foot away from my head is actually a much better does a much better job of that than a two hundred dollars speaker that's across the room of much much higher quality. So you you I it's a reminder that I keep needing to investigate every single opportunity, every single option, just because something is Bluetooth and we're used to having almost like a borderline peanut allergy against anything that works via Bluetooth. We've all had some bad bad experiences with Bluetooth, have we not, dear listeners? That doesn't mean that it it shouldn't be it shouldn't be taken a look at. The rest of the stuff was not terribly interesting. I bought a baking sheet. That was my one impulse buy because I I have been doing a lot of baking. A lot of my baking sheets are now so crunked up that it's, yeah, let's get a, we could either go to a whole bunch of housekeeping and cleaning blogs to find out what magic combination of white vinegar, rice, baking soda, and barkeeper's friend will actually get these clean. Or we could spend $11 to buy a new baking sheet. And we'll put that, we'll just put that in, it's like buying new underwear. You don't throw out the old underwear, but you do have that fresh, beautiful, elastic, is snappy and wonderful. The, the the color is bright and cheerful. Just put that in the rotation and just remind yourself of of, of what the good life is like uh, once, once every once in a while. Uh, bought a couple of light stands and a pants and a pair of shirt that, uh, from 511 Tactical that I really, really like. Um, although I, I, I've been trying to, this, this is something that's related to old age. I know I keep trying to sort of wean myself off the idea of what defines a good pair of pants or a good shirt answer. How many pockets does it have? The, the correct answer is more. How many pockets do I need? The answer is more, whatever I have more than that. And 501 tactical, they're cargo pants, but they're very, very nicely made cargo pants. Uh, they also have a shirt that I love to travel with. I actually wear it kind of like a almost like a casual blazer uh, because it's very, very I think it's very, very smart looking. But also it means that like when I'm flying uh, and, and when I'm traveling and I need to I, I want to have like some documents like <laughs> travel documents just like handy at a moment's notice as these big flat pockets. They're sort of hidden like them a lot. A site wide sale was like 30, 40 percent off. So it was a une- largely uneventful, largely calm, largely just filling out, uh, actually pushing the button on buying decisions that I'd made a long, long time ago. But that was perfectly okay. 
Um, I'm sure that the next time that I get to have Thanksgiving with my family, and as usual, as I'm getting my train home and I'm thinking, oh, why do I do that? <laughs> I, I love my family, but this is a lot of bother for 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 a turkey dinner that's not as good as the kind that I make at home because none of my family members have have uh, have heard the gospel of sous vide cooking yet. But it's always, but nonetheless, it's always fun. You always like having done it. Uh, but it's always nice to have these different kinds of Thanksgivings just for contrast. Well, big story this week with Google is well, more labor trouble. It's going to be pers- it's going to be the problem that we're going to be talking about until three days after the second coming. And we're going to be talking about it after this message as well. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Do you have a website? And does your website have a shopping cart, registration forms, or contact us pages? If you answered yes to these questions, then you need Pingdom. Nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. That means a bad experience for your users and could mean lost business for you. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring will alert you when cart checkout, forms, and login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment any of these fail in whichever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use code MATERIAL at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of the Material Podcast and all of Relay FM. Well, we do wind up talking about this once every uh, one, two, or three months or so. It does, it's just not a problem that Google seems to be having any success solving. I hope it's not that they're not having any interest in solving it. Google is once again in the news and in trouble about how they're treating their employees. The uh, This week, the National Labor Relations Board uh, concluded that Google violated U.S. labor laws by spying on uh, uh, employees who were organizing protests, basically organizing people to talk about uh, the working conditions inside of Google, uh, spying on them, intimidating them, and then firing them. And because of this violation, Google now has, uh, has uh, a, a, I think, about uh, three or four months to respond to it. Uh, and if they aren't able to uh, to settle this with the effect, two affected employees named in this finding, uh, finding mutually satisfying conclusion to this, it will go to court. And if they lose, not a whole lot, not really huge stakes. I, I don't understand what the these kind of stakes. If they take it to a court to to court and a judge rules against Google, they will have to reinstate both of these employees and also pay uh, also pay them their back pay. Uh, from uh, from November of last year when they were fired. And the problem is that there's so much bad blood that I'm not sure that these employees would like to have anything to do with Google ever again. And given that the charges are so dramatic and they're outlined in detail uh, after they're in this complaint, after a, a long investigation, uh, again, conducting surveillance against employees, uh, threats and intimidation, uh, destroying in in both of these employees' cases their reputations inside and outside the company to make them make their own company look good. 
it seems as though they want they should get more than just a year's pay. Maybe there's other uh, civil suits that could happen in the future, but this is bad. So this was, uh, if uh, you have a longer memory, this was uh, part of the Black Thanksgiving, the Dark Thanksgiving of 2019, where four different employees who had been uh, organizing within Google uh, had been fired, bang, 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 uh, pretty much all in the same week. Uh, they find that uh, the, the 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 trouble is that whether this is a, a steel mill in 1920s and 1930s or a high-tech company that makes billions of uh, trillions of dollars in 2020, you have to allow your employees to get together and discuss working conditions inside the company. Uh, they had been – these employees have been part of a movement within, within Google ongoing uh, to question the company's practices and policies and culture. And these topics are things that we've been discussing for, for years now on this podcast, uh, how Google is, has been creating a hostile environment for women and for people of color. They've not only in just uh, high-ranking employees who have been found to uh, have been guilty of sexual misconduct, being allowed to walk away with, uh, with the $90 million uh, escape parachutes like Andy Rubin, uh, but also how uh, there have been complaints about how two engineers, one male, one female, and with the same experiences, the same education, the same qualifications, entering Google at the same time, the uh, the male engineer will be put into a track that will allow them to one day become a manager or even a senior executive, whereas the female executive gets uh, female employee gets put into a track like customer service where there's definitely a limit to how far they can advance uh, the. Uh, talking about working conditions for temporary workers and contract workers, about how they seem to be second-class citizens with side, inside of Google, uh, the limitations of resources for LGBTQ Googlers, uh, and their concerns about the company's courting uh, of contracts with the military and Customs and Borders Protections and ICE and other organizations. These are all the things that in the, in the Google uh, culture that we had sort of been – trained to in, in the in the google culture that i grew up with so to speak i know that they're only a they're they're, they're a 21st century company after all but the word from people that i used to know inside of google was that this is a wonderful place to to work that we are it's almost like a college campus where the institutionally they value people talking out and sharing their thoughts and contributing to the culture and expanding with different, with different points of view and different viewpoints. And this is completely in the, in the complete antithesis to what's been happening. Maybe as part of as the company has gone from uh, the mythological, oh, just a couple of Stanford dropouts with a great idea and some funding and a dream to no, they're one of the most they're they're practically a nation state in terms of power and the heads of nation states that are that have lots and lots of power are not terribly interested in their drones trying to take get into the center of the hive are they so uh, not only did they find that that, that google was uh, 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 conducting illegal actions against these two specific employees that they're also saying that uh, they were also concluded that google was doing a lot of this stuff specifically to uh, put the scare into any other employees that were considering becoming as uh, uh, I don't I I I want to make a joke, but I don't want that to be taken seriously. 
but the, the the they don't they, it's they want people to put their heads down do their work please don't be individuals please don't talk about what's going on inside google just get your work done pretend everything is okay which is not long-term healthy for google or anybody else so uh, at, uh when they when google fired these the, these uh, bunch of employees last year here's the statement that they released at the time i'm quoting here we dismissed four individuals who were engaged in intentional and often repeated violations of our longstanding data security policies, including systematically accessing and disseminating other people's materials and work. No one has been dismissed for raising concerns or debating the company's activities, unquote. This was, according to the government complaint, this was uh, face-saving, this was internal PR, once again, to try to turn internal uh, and other Google employees against these four people who were fired saying, Hey, we fired them because they were, they were abusing you and your, and your trust and we needed to get rid of them so that they could stop hurting you. And also the other effect is that it made them uh, potentially to destroy their, uh, destroy their reputations outside of Google and made them, it made it even harder for them to, uh, to find new employee employment. Uh, the four fired employees claimed at the time that they did nothing that wasn't part of day-to-day operations uh, and that the tone of these charges, which were announced to all the employees was intended to destroy their reputations inside and outside of Google. Now the uh, NLRB investigated all four of these firings uh, and the firings of a bunch of people. They determined that they were only going to go forward on the firings of Lawrence Berland and Catherine Spears uh, for violations of labor laws uh, now, Lawrence Berland, he, the quote, the, the justification that Google offered for his firing is that he subscribed to the open calendars of the open Google calendars of several senior Google employees whom he suspected of meeting with outside consultants to suppress organizing activity at the company. Oh, uh, did I mention that, of course, uh, Google is part of their part of their union busting is that they hired a bunch of consultants that were uh, that are good at helping big companies bust up any pro-union sentiment amongst the workforce. Uh, Kath, uh, and Catherine, Spe- Catherine Spears, uh, she uh, was uh, part of the code uh, code team for an internal tool inside of Google, like an official internal co- tool, so that if someone accesses uh, certain websites uh, on the company internet, that uh, it will allow, it will create, it, a little pop-up will come up to let them know because that, hey, you're, 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 a Googler on the Google campus, here is something you should know about this site you're about to visit. Like if you're about to go onto Reddit and I, I'm not, I'm making this up. I'm, I'm making this up based on what I understand. Like if you're, if, for instance, if you were about to go on Reddit, maybe, uh, maybe there'd be a pop-up saying, yeah, just be sure that I don't care if you are, if you, if no one can figure out that your Reddit handle is, is who you are. Don't share any company secrets here. This is a public forum. You're about to leave the security of whatever. Um, and so, uh, Catherine Spears, uh, uh, wrote uh, basically added pop-ups that would appear uh, when employees access Google's internal community guidelines pages and the website of that consulting firm. Uh, they were both of these people were uh, got the same sort of track in which they were put on administrative leave and then terminated uh, three or four weeks later. Usually after again after a lot of interrogation, uh, uh, Lawrence uh, in post-firing interviews mentioned that the security teams that were uh, interrogating him 
that a lot of the questions they were asking, they seemed to be fishing for reasons to fire him as opposed to trying to get to the bottom of, of, of a security issue that they think might or might not have happened. So in both cases, they're saying that, no, there was always the intention to create the justification for firing these people. They, they were they were they were already dead. They just didn't know what the cause of death was going to be on the on the on the death certificate. Uh, so here are the formal charges that uh, that the government made uh, were that. Uh, at September 2019, and on various times thereafter, they've, they virtually surveilled employees. Uh, they uh, some surveilled protected activities of these employees by, on numerous occasions, viewing an employee's slide production in support of the union drive of contract workers at Google's Pittsburgh office. Here I'm quoting uh, from the complaint. This comes. This comes down to uh, uh, a the employees of a contractor that was working inside the Pittsburgh office of Google, they decided to, they voted to unionize and they were punished uh, very, very much by that uh, subcontractor. But the techniques are very, very similar. And it seems as though the people who had access that slide deck uh, were then marked for surveillance uh, by Google's own security team later on. Uh, They were interrogating these employees about their access of employees' calendars. Again, these very focused interrogations, which they're, again, on a fishing expedition for reasons to fire. Uh, They're uh, holding a meeting in which they threatened employees with reprisals by requiring employees to raise workplace concerns through official channels instead of through whatever medium that they choose. Um, They also accused Google of creating a whole bunch of policy rules specifically to help them punish uh, employee organizers, uh, such as uh, new rules about uh, about accessing uh, employee calendars, but published Google calendars internally. Uh, This was the the defense that these employees were making was that, yes, they were looking at other employees uh, available Google calendars, but this was something that all employees are allowed to do just on a daily basis as part of their job. There's no rule against this. Um, uh, Also, in terms of the tool that uh, Catherine Spears was putting together, there was no rule against creating against creating these little pop ups. This was part that she was part of the team that was developing this. She thought it was prudent to add pop ups for these uh, for these certain situations. They had they had broken no rules. Uh, So uh, the government is uh, insisting that uh, Part of what their Google's plan was, well, we'll have these new rules against accessing other document, other people's documents, other people's data, other people's calendars, but we're not going to fire the 200,000 people inside of Google that are actually doing this. We are going to use when there's somebody that we want to put a target on, someone we want to eliminate, we will enforce this rule against them and use that as justification for firing, firing them and for creating a huge announcement about how ooh, they were looking into your calendar. They were doing bad, bad, horrible things. Um they were also uh, enforcing his rules, uh, other rules similar about accessing need to know documents. Again, uh, it's there in place so that if you're organizing, they will use that to fire you. If you're not organizing, well, that's part of your job, isn't it? Um, and that part of it wasn't just simply to pun- single out and punish these uh, four or five people, but also just to intimidate and scare other employees into towing the line from now on. So here's a, a new uh, statement that Google made in, t- uh, in, in reaction to uh, the National Labor Relations Board action. Uh, the provided the statement to The Verge. Uh, she said, uh, we're proud of that culture and we're committed to defending it against attempts by individuals to deliberately undermine it, including by violating security policies and internal systems, unquote. Now, that's scary because now we're talking about there's a culture and these people are trying to attack that culture well, no, they're criticizing that culture, and and maybe they do actively want to pull down. I, I'm not I'm not saying they're doing this, but even if they're trying to actively pull this down, 
Oy. If if they're also doing their job, if they're not interfering with other people doing their job, they have the right to do that. They have the right to say that this situation inside this workplace is unhealthy, unsafe. We want to have a voice in this. It's true if, if uh, again, if you're a steel worker and your employer tries to cu- cut your lunch break down to, to, to 12 minutes and charge you for, and, and dock your pay uh, for all the time it takes uh, for uh, for the inspector to come in and make sure that your safety equipment is okay and make sure and dock your pay for that time when you're actually required to do that as part of your job, you are it is okay for you to talk to other employees about it. Is it okay for you to complain about that? That is not a fireable, punishable offense. That is, in fact, illegal. That That's against government regulations, and that's why Google is in trouble for this. Um, continuing the quote, uh, we'll continue to provide information to the NL- NLRB and the administrative judge about our decision to terminate or discipline employees who abuse their privilege access to internal systems, such as our security tools or colleagues' calendars. Such actions are serious violence or policy policies, blah, blah, blah. We will be defending our position. Uh, so yeah, this is the, now the organization, the contractor in Pittsburgh that, uh, we're talking about that, uh, again, people who had viewed a, a certain slide deck were put under surveillance. Uh, this was, uh, the NLRB also earlier this summer made the same sort of accusations against this subcontractor, this Google contractor, uh, HCL America, uh, making similar acts of intimidation against uh, union organizers uh, and actually going as far as to retaliate against wo- after these workers voted to unionize. So maybe it's a coincidence that these that Google and the subcontractor are working from the same playbook, or maybe they were working they, they were playing the game under the same coach, if you follow my meaning. So that's that's where it stands right now. Uh, Google, uh, there there uh, there has been a lot of discussion about this. There, uh, Google is seems to be saying that no 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 we're going to fight this we're innocent we're innocent. It seems more likely that they're going to try to quietly settle this, given that uh, God they got so many they got so many axes being thrown at them right now that if they could get one of those axes to fall in the dirt instead of uh, between their arm and their arm and their torso that would be helping them out quite a bit uh, but this just goes to show that this is an ongoing problem they have a cultural problem in how they deal with uh nonconformist employees that's not that's really not the best way to say it but uh, employees that are not just simply going to be good little worker ants, follow the scent path that has been laid down for them at the, at the Google campus, do not do anything that doesn't, that, that causes any sort of inconvenience for the company, such as complain that maybe working conditions inside the company are not that great. Now, I, I'm worried about this because it really is another indication that this is not just not just some bad apples, not just, oh, gosh, we had no idea this was going on. But now we're going to take all, every attempt. We're going to go on a really, really important uh, program to make sure that we put all this right and and right this ship, which is with the statements that uh, that Sundar Pichai and other executives have been making since this has become a regular issue in the past couple of years. But instead, it really does look like unless the company culture has a true come to Jesus moment, this is just going to be something that Google is notorious for. And maybe in five or 10 years time, when we look back and wonder why, how come Google was not able to survive where other companies were, this is going to be the cancer that eats it out from within, uh, barring this come to Jesus moment. Now, as if to indicate that Jesus uh, is is keeping his eye on this as well. Well, what do you know? Just a day after this, uh, there's a piece of breaking news uh, that uh, came at 2 a.m. this morning, my time. 
just a day after uh, the National Labor Relations Board uh, filed this motion, filed this action against uh, against the company. Uh, a lot of you probably know who Timnit Gabru is. Uh, she is a kind of a legend, a very, very important ethicist in the field of artificial intelligence. Uh, she uh, worked on the Google Brain team, uh, the technical co-lead of the ethical artificial intelligence team at Google. Having her working at Google and in this role as, uh, on the ethical artificial intelligence team made Google look very, very good. And it gave certainly gave me some faith that when uh, when engineers were complaining that, look, we don't, we're, uh, we are AI researchers, we didn't take this job at Google so that uh, our technology that we're developing can be used to arm drones that your drone technology that you're selling to, to the United States military to help kill people. And so as part of that, Part of that response seemed to be, well, we're going to have make sure we're going to have an ethics board. We're going to make ethics part of artificial intelligence. It was always it was always part. Uh, researchers always thought that that was important. It was nice to have this as a, as an official thing. Well, uh, around 11 p.m. West Coast Google t- Google Coast time or 2 a.m. Andy Andy time, uh, Timnit uh, tweeted from her account that she had just been fired uh, from Google. That uh, it's and it's a very, very shady sort of firing that she the, the way that she put it uh, she, this is a direct quote. No one told me I was fired. I'm going to quote her tweets here. Uh, saying, Apparently, my manager's manager sent an email, my direct reports saying she accepted my resignation. I hadn't resigned. I had asked for simple conditions first and said I would respond when I'm back from vacation, but I guess she decided for me. Smiley face. And by the way, uh, on a personal side, uh, she, it wasn't like an emoji smile. It was a colon and a, uh, and, and a, and a right parenthesis. This is my kind of, my kind of engineer, my kind of geek. Uh, she continues, that's the lawyer speak. Uh, continuing, I said, here are the conditions. If you can meet them, great. I'll take my name off this paper. If not, then I can work on a last date. Then she sent an email to my direct reports, the people that she directly reports to, saying she has accepted my resignation. So that is Google for you folks. You saw it happen right here. Uh, so the details, uh, I, I was up for several hours after that trying to, because there's there's obviously a lot of communication happening. Uh, and people just absolutely aghast to find out that uh, that Google did not want to retain her services, her very unique services at Google, and what seemed to be a very, very shady way of going about it. It's, it seemed from her, uh, Google has not responded, has not talked about this, and further details, uh, including the actual email that she sent that provoked this response from Google, have not been shared as far as I know. I'm uh, I'm talking here a little after noon on, uh, on Thursday. Uh, so... Again, this is a breaking story. We can't reach a lot of conclusions right now, but it does sound rather shady. It sounds on, on a week in which the United States government, not uh, not rumors picked up from, oh, well, I, I know someone who knows someone who works on the on the AI team and this is what she's telling me or uh, a someone who. I'd, if if you didn't know any of the outstanding circumstances of the situation, if you said, oh, well, this person had been fired and now she's he or she is saying bad things about the company, well, maybe they've got sour grapes. Maybe there's a reason they were fired. No, in the context of what's been going on at Google, the the idea that this person didn't know that they had resigned but had been told, oh, well, we're sorry things didn't work out. We accept your resignation in a week when we're full of, uh, of factual-based evidence about how 
when there's someone that Google wants to get rid of, they're not, they can't come straight out and say, we're firing you because you were pain in our necks and we wish to be rid of you. They will find some other reason to make that firing, to make that, uh, that uh, termination happen. And, oh gosh, well, let's, why don't we just say that she said that if you don't do this, then we quit, then I quit. And so we're saying we're not doing this. And so therefore we're accepting your resignation even whether or not this that's actually what you said or not so they have the this deniability that oh no 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 she resigned she resigned uh and you 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 really you really need to know uh exactly what a superstar she is uh she is a very very familiar voice on uh, as you might guess on the ethical topics associated with uh, artificial intelligence um including uh, the ethnic biases of facial recognition uh coincidentally her name was very much on my mind this week because Earlier today, I did my weekly um, tech segment, tech news stuff uh, for Boston NPR, and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts uh, is just one governor's signature away from uh, a, having a new statewide law banning facial recognition use by law enforcement. And so I've been reading lots of different papers and refreshing myself of lots of different things that have been part of the discussion. And of course, uh, almost the, the the nucleus of all this discussion is this amazing paper that she co-authored a couple of years ago when she was uh, working working in AI research at Microsoft that proved that there is a there is a bias uh, in facial recognition algorithms towards white men. And if you're a woman, if you and if you're a person of color, good luck to you because these algorithms just don't work very well. And she goes above and beyond that too. By uh, through she she gave a really wonderful talk at a computer vision uh, conference uh, remote conference of course in June or July I think of this year, and she really makes the the good point and also in other conversations she's had on social media that other researchers might say that oh well look it's not that it's not that our whole field of research is has a racial bias it's just gosh this data set that this uh, this machine language model had been trained upon just too many white faces not enough people of color if you trained it the, if you trained this this uh, it would have the same bias against white people if it had been trained on faces of people of color to the exclusion of, of white people but she ve- and there is some some truth to that but the larger truth is that we can't ignore that this is a field in which it's overwhelmingly white dudes and there's and it's overwhelmingly true that this group of people do have their own biases and so it's not just the data set if you improve the data set there would still be a sense of racial bias in there chiefly because these tools are being developed from the point of view of a white person so and it it's it's a very very it's it's a very very complicated sort of argument and i've always already realized that i've uh, started off on on a tangent that could last for an entire hour, but I mean, uh, broadly speaking, think about how uh, a white person. Uh, let, let's say there's there's a uh, there's uh, you've you've taken a look at your community budget and someone is putting, uh, uh, and there's a proposal to increase the budget of the police uh, to hire more police officers, and a white person might say be. Uh, a white person who is used to a relationship with the police where, oh, well, they're there to protect us. They're there to, you know, some, there are times where I might be speeding and they're there to pull me over and warn me and, you know, send me on my way, but make sure that I slow down and keep the thing safe. And they're the people that when I call, uh, I can call with any time there's some danger or something that looks like there's some trouble in the neighborhood and they'll come and they'll fix it. You might be inclined to think, that, oh, well, of course we should, gosh, great, more cops is, is more better. That's great for us. If your relationship lifelong with the cops has been, 
being hassled, harassed, shaken down, pulled over, treated like a potential uh, suspect, asked for your idea, uh, asked for your ID over and over again. This same piece of news that there's going to be more police operating in this community, you might react to that differently. And so there's the exact same thing going on with facial recognition. When you think about uh, engineers who might imagine, uh, well, what features should we put into this? What power should this software have? Uh, what, uh, how ambitious should we be? What are different use cases we can consider? Uh, a white engineer is not going to see how certain applications of this technology are going to be, uh, by definition, a threat to people of color. That's part of, I'm, I'm not pretending to understand this at all. I really do encourage you uh, to uh, to seek out uh, Ms. Gabru's uh, uh, lectures and her papers and other writings on this subject. Uh, I'll put uh, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes so you can check it out yourself. But that's the sort of thing that gets talked about. Uh, it's also I will I will continue on this, but before before screeching us back to uh, the uh, this specific topic. But so uh, uh, swear to God, I, I usually go to bed around three. I, I don't I don't go to bed early, obviously, but uh, I try to be in bed by three three thirty, <laughs> so I could be up at the crack of ten a.m. And so, but this broke at around two, two thirty in the morning. So I, I was up for like three or four hours after that. I was up to like six or seven this morning, uh, doing more reading and seeing what more developments uh, were going to happen and trying to understand the full scope of this. And of course, a lot of this was talking, uh, was, uh, reading a whole bunch of, uh, of message boards, of uh, people who are also awake in various places in the world, certainly in the West coast. And a lot of the conversation was so disgustingly predictable that, Oh, well, she's a social justice warrior, which is the most offensive thing. You're, you're, you're trying to denigrate somebody who is taking an active role in, 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 in uh, reducing the level of injustice in this country and in an industry and, and worldwide. That's just stupid. Uh, but also, oh well, see, she she played with fire. She tried to she tried to bluff them into like accepting her demands, and then they said no, and now she's out in her butt. She has no one to no one to uh, to to be mad at but herself. But go wa- watch her play the race card, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I stress that if, even when I say how upset I am by a lot of parts of the story, I repeat to myself as I repeat to you people now that this is a breaking story. We don't know all of the details. We have some more details, which I'll uh, discuss in a moment. But to 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 automatically go to this engineer of color is, has left the has left the company because of her own hubris and because she was a silly person who is doesn't have her mind on her job and and something that any two any engineer with two years experience would know how corporate things work uh, to ignore again she's an engineer she's a woman of color in an industry that is that is uh, as that is has been making strides in and accept in uh, popul- populating this uh, in, in accepting and giving opportunities uh, accepting the contributions of non-white dudes, but computer vision is not one of those fields, uh, the fields that she's working in, that the stuff that she's been talking about for, for years, that's part of the public record, that this had nothing to do with this firing, to have to pretend to have no awareness of how Google has been treating its employees over the past two or three years as they continue to pivot from the company where you can say anything, we're going to have an open town meeting where you can say anything you want to the CEO. We want this to be like a, call, a free transfer of ideas to, 
these are concrete boxes that each of our each of our employees and teams work in. You will not do anything to disrupt what goes on in the box next to you. You will tap, tap, tap on your keyboard. You will slide, slide, slide that mouse and click and generate the code and the content that we demand of you for your paycheck. And anything you do other than that is grounds for firing. So absolutely do not raise any sort of a ruckus that will bring your activities to the attention of your manager or your boss's boss. To, to ignore all of that, is just irresponsibly and irredeeming, irredeemingly ignorant. So, and you know, we'll we'll certainly be talking about this next week when Flo is back. Uh, and if if I'm totally off base about this, you know, I'll I will say, gosh, I was totally off base about this. But I will defend that at this point. Again, given that I'm acknowledging that this is still a breaking story, this uh, my feelings is that Google has a responsibility here to the the ball is in their court. They have to they have to really defend and explain themselves at this point when they're facing multiple actions by the government about how they're treating their employees. Something like this does not happen with a prejudice against the employee. I'll say that. So, uh, so let's, let's, uh, I'll get back on track. So she says that, uh, nobody, uh, nobody told her she was fired. Uh, she, uh, did make reference. She did cut and paste in an email from, uh, she defines as she de- describes as Megan. I assume, uh, Megan Cacholia, uh, vice president of engineering at Google research, uh, who reports to Jeff Dean, who's a Google senior fellow fellow and senior vice president of Google research. Uh, so she, because she says uh, that she can't imagine Ma- uh, Megan firing her without having run past uh, Jeff uh, Jeffrey Dean first. So that's where the chain is. Um, and so here's the email that uh, she says uh, comes from Megan. I'm quoting here. Thanks for making your conditions clear. We cannot agree to number one and number two, as you are requesting. We respect your decision to leave Google as a result, and we are accepting your resignation. However, we believe the end of your employment should happen faster than your email reflects because certain aspects of the email you sent last night to non-management employees of the brain group, the Google brain group, that is, reflect behavior that is inconsistent with the expectations of a Google manager. As a result, we are accepting your resignation immediately effective today. We will send your final paycheck to your address in Workday. When you re, uh, in Workday, when you return from your vacation, People Ops will reach out to you to coordinate the return of Google devices and assets. So, that's where we that's where we're at. I did spend I've been spending a lot of time reading the the, the, the Twitter thread thread. Um, as I mentioned before, almost everybody in these communities uh, and the uh, uh, the AI communities, the computer vision communities, uh, communities that are interested in how non-white dudes are treated in, in technology industries uh, are very, very active about this and talk about this. As a matter of fact, uh, the uh, uh, head of uh, – she's already gotten a, a – a, been offered a position on NVIDIA's research team via, via Twitter. Um, I'm hoping that we'll get more clarity on this by the time we go next week. Uh, I did delay uh, the show a little bit so I could re-record this act one. Actually, I'm re-recording the entire show because in for a penny, in for a pound. But I, I certainly did not want to sit on this for an entire week, especially when my reactions to this are pretty clear and I think pretty justified. Again, it's a it's a hell of a week when when Google delivers this sort of a one-two punch. This is a it's it's hard to maintain it's hard to maintain faith in a lot of the companies that you feel as though you want to deal with because you like their products. Um, on that uh, on my NPR segment, the other hosts 
were asking me, was this going to, do you think this is uh, talking about the uh, National Labor Relations Board action against Google? Do you think this will cause anybody to switch to DuckDuckGo or not use Google anymore? And of course, the answer is probably not because this is way too subtle. If we can't, if we can't get people to stop using Facebook after so many abuses of uh, of personal data that happened at Facebook, it's hard to blast people away from there. Uh, that's why we can't just simply let the free market decide and say that, well, the users are perfectly okay with this behavior. So this behavior must be okay. This is where, uh, this is where the, uh, the government needs to step in and make sure that labor laws reflect the realities of, of our modern times and that these laws have enough teeth to really put the fear of God into these companies to say that, no, you, we're, you no longer get to uh, get to share a public email from your, have the CEO write a, send an email to all employees and then post it on the blog. You don't get to do that. You have to actually prove, uh, you, you have to, you have to have a consent order, uh, between us, <laughs> between us, the regulators and you, the company about here's exactly what you're going to prove to us. And then over the next year, the next two years, the next five years about how you're improving this situation, or else we're really going to bring the pain down upon you. Uh, because, and I, I'm not sure that if that is actually going to happen, I hope it's going to happen, but until that happens, we can only hope that the shareholder shareholders are as fed up with the situation as I, and a lot of you, I think are, oh, well, well, I'm going to wet my whistle. We're going to take a break. We'll come back uh, and talk about some good news coming out of app, uh, out of Google this week, back after this. This episode of Material is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing enterprise infrastructure, you deserve simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions that allow you to take your project to the next level. You can simplify your cloud infrastructure with Linode's Linux virtual machines, helping you develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Quite frankly, anything that could make your workflow faster and easier is worth checking out. Linode has 11 global data centers and provides 24-7 human support 365 days a year, so you never have to be stuck without support. Night or day, holiday or not, Linode are there, with no tiers or handoffs, regardless of your plant size. And you can check it out for free. Get started right now on Linode today with $100 in free credit for listeners of Material by going to linode.com slash material. In addition to shared and dedicated compute instances, you can use your $100 credit on S3-compatible object storage, managed Kubernetes, and more. So head to linode.com slash material and click on the Create Free Account button to get started. Go there now. Check it out. Our thanks to Linode for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Well, this apparently is the week where a lot of interested nerds like myself have to learn about uh, molecular biology and molecular engineering uh, because Google seems to have come up with a really serious breakthrough in the field uh, thanks to a, a research project from the from uh, the Deep Mind team. Now, the the, the previous time they got a lot of uh, splash is when they had uh, developed a program that plays uh, the game of Go, the board game, the, the ancient board game of Go, a board game that had always been held as the gold standard that no no computer will ever be able to beat like a world-rated champion uh, at this game. It's too subtle. It's too analog. It's too, it's too creative uh, a task for a computer to do. And of course, because of, as we, as we might've learned from a documentary that's on Netflix, 
uh, they got five matches between this piece of software and one of the top players in the entire world, like a legend in the game of Go. And I think he managed, he lost the first three. I think he won one, <laughs> but he, it humbled him and uh, made uh, the Deep Mind team realize that they had achieved a big breakthrough. Uh, playing, beating a grand, beating a world champion at Go is nice, but it's not going to really solve any of the world's problems. But this new breakthrough actually might. Uh, they might have the DeepMind software might have uh, might have been responsible for a breakthrough at solving what's known as the protein folding problem. Now, biologists have been dealing with a fundamental problem for seventy years, like how do you understand the shape of a given protein that you're working with, like uh, the, how the uh, amino acids of this protein click together and interact with each other. Uh, it creates the shape and the structure of that protein, and that will that shape. And that form will de- will define how that protein operates and functions. So, like, if you're developing a drug uh, that has to interact with this protein, you need to know what the shape is to know how to how to build the right drug to to how to target the right places of it, how to interact with creatively. If you're creating uh, trying to create an enzyme that breaks up toxins or cleans pollution, once again, it really is like you can't you can't. Uh, you can't click a Lego into a Lincoln log. You have to build something that's going to click into the Lego. So you need to know the exact shape and size of that Lego. And uh, historically, these shapes have been determined through a really tedious sets of, of lab techniques. One of them is cryogenic electron microscopy, uh, where the sample of the protein is flash frozen, and then you fire electrons at it. Uh, and this technique, it works, but it can take years and years and years to produce a result. And there are some proteins that, because of their nature, they just defy all methods of analysis. And that's why there's always been this desire to, if only there's a way that if we can just simply, if we had a computer program or a technique, we can just simply specify, here is the sequence of uh, of, uh, of enzymes that we're working with that, 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 that compose up this protein, uh, Given just this information, build us a model of the only way that these these amino acids can uh, the, the only way that these components can click together and what shape that that would then result in. And uh, they've been working on it for obviously for a long, long time. Uh, the scientific community is so interested in a solution to this problem that every two years they've hosted a, a contest of sorts. Uh, it's a protein structure prediction challenge called CASP, which is short for Critical Assessment of Structure Prediction. Of the course of a year, uh, different research teams that are uh, that are engaging in this are given uh, like sequences of like hundred different proteins. Over the course of the year, these are all proteins that have already been analyzed via the traditional lab techniques, but the results have not been published yet. So it's known to the team that's sort of refereeing this contest, but it's not known to the researchers who are uh, working their uh, their their software against it. Uh, and so it's every two years, and on the thirtieth, the results of the twenty twenty. Uh, should we call it a competition? No, it's a competition. If it's a competition, you're allowed to wager on it. It's an exhibition. It's a, it's a demonstration. Uh, it's a challenge. Uh, so their results and DeepMind's Alpha Alpha Fold Two software absolutely kicked everybody's butts. Uh, now I can't pretend to be able to understand, let alone explain. <laughs> how how it kicked everybody's butts. Uh, only that uh, these uh, techni- the uh, these techniques were uh, being scored from a level of zero to 100. 
and a score of above 90 is regarded as, well, this technique is as good as any other actual practical empirical laboratory technique we've got going. Uh, and this is the first time that any piece of software had managed to crack 90 and it meant, made it to 92 point something, as a matter of fact. Now, obviously, on some of these samples, it did better. Some samples, it did worse. But this was the first time that we'd seen the that they had seen the light at that tunnel. It was such a huge it was such a huge leap over every other uh, team that was competing that year. Also, a huge leap over what uh, AlphaFold 1 was able to achieve two years ago, that uh, a lot of these people have become uh, pretty giddy. <laughs> uh, there's a Nature magazine had a really good article on it. Uh, so he, they, they, one of the researchers that they, they talked to was uh, Andre Lupus, who is an evolutionary biologist at the Max Planck Institute. He was also one of the scientists who was assessing the performance of uh, these teams that were taking part in the challenge. So he definitely had the had the inside inside scoop. Um, it's, 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 it really is wonderful. He sounds like what you'd get if you ask the people leaving a someone leaving leaving a, leaving a Foo Fighters concert. Like, what do you think about the band's performance of Everlong? He was he was really into it. Okay, he was really excited. Uh, here's some quotes: <laughs> "Quote, it's a game changer. This will change medicine. It will change research. It will change bioengineering. It will change everything." Uh, uh, this is uh, this model. Uh, it was, he also went on to talk about how an alpha fold prediction helped to determine the structure of a bacterial protein that Lupus's la- own lab had been trying to crack for years. Lupus's team had previously collected raw X-ray diffraction data, but transforming these Rorschach-like patterns into a structure requires some information about the shape of the protein. Tricks for getting this information, as well as other prediction tools, had failed. Quoting. Uh, 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 quoting Lupus here, uh, quote, the model from group 427, which was the uh, was the deep mind group, gave us our structure in half an hour after we had spent a decade trying everything. Quote, this is going to empower a new generation of molecular biologists to ask more advanced questions. Quote, it's going to require more thinking and less pipetting. So what, one of the wins here, and again, I, I'm way, way out of my element here. Uh, so, uh, I'm, <laughs> this is why I had to, I had to read so many different articles about this to even get my head around the, uh, around this. When, when you hear a lot of science news, you, you have to, you have to draw a really, really thick and dark line between here is the enthusiasm being expressed by the person who's writing about this, but what is the level of enthusiasm expressed by the scientist that actually <laughs> is working with this technique or actually read and understood this paper? Uh, and paper and article after article, scientists are just over the moon about this. And one of the one of the explanations of this that's easiest for me to understand uh, is that um, uh, one of the wins here is that the from now from this if this thing actually works, then from this point onward, lower quality and easier to collect experimental data now is really all that you might need to get that good structure. It used to be that you'd have to get really, really great samples of the right kind and then apply the right technique and the right understanding with the right assumptions going in. But now it seems it's like, Oh well, I noticed that there's uh, there's some gum that I scraped off my shoe. Well, that'll do it. Just <laughs> that'll do it. Let's just sequence this, then put the numbers into this piece of software, and it'll spit it out. So it's it's. I would liken it to uh, when when the fir- the first time that we were able to burn our own CDs it used to be something that would require like a whole factory and a plant. You'd have to know exactly what you're doing and put a lot of money into it. So you would so 
CDs came out as a trickle, but then there was this $200 device you can plug into any computer and burn as many CDs as you want. So now that's no longer an impediment to creating CDs. So now it seems as though the big thing that makes uh, this sort of research very, very difficult, which is collecting the right kind of samples, getting the and applying the right techniques and the right experimentation and lab techniques towards it, and getting that uh, that model, which is a very fiddly process. It seems as though easier to get that the the material that you need that will actually be useful and then easier to get those results. So now you can iterate much, much, much faster. Uh, so uh, a lot of fields might get boosted into a much, much higher orbit now that they're going to have a much, much more rapid and greater influx of new structures, new protein structures to work with. Um, and it's also, of course, a big deal for DeepMind because uh, unlike that AI that plays Go, like this is a very commercial thing. They can they can actually sell it as a product and make money off of it. It's it's nice to be doing things that are abstract research. It's nice to have such a visible and easy to communicate win, such as hey, we a computer managed to beat a Go master for the first time in history. But I think that uh, not only do people who are working in DeepMind want to make sure that the money that gets spent on their research is paying off for the company. They also want the satisfaction of knowing that they're doing something that's significant, that's helping people. And some of the quotes from the team do reflect that, that it's going to be a very, very satisfying thing that new drugs, new drug therapies, new, uh, new health treatments might come out of the research that we're doing, or at least be kickstarted uh, into it. Well, we got a little bit left to talk to, uh, including this, this wonderful new band uh, that's going to be our after-dinner mid. Something lighthearted to cleanse our palates. We'll be back. So, yes, before we go, I really want to talk to you about this amazing band, this amazing musician that I, that I encountered totally by kismet, totally by accident. Uh, so there's there's this guy. Uh, I won't, uh, I won't uh, tell you the name that he performs under... Uh, he, uh, he's a, uh, he's a black gentleman. He, uh, has selected a, uh, name for his one man band for his musical projects that contains a racial slur, uh, and on his webpage, he talks about how, uh, he, of course he hates this word, but he's trying to, uh, he's, he's Dutch. He's trying to take this word and sort of rehabilitate it by putting it up front and center. I don't believe that, uh, it's, is in any way appropriate or I'm entitled uh, to even repeat it just as the name uh, of uh, this musician. Uh, we will put a link uh, to uh, to his music in the show notes. Uh, but so he has, uh, he has, he, uh, he has a, which is going to be like the number one Christmas song of the season. I think, uh, Hey Guillermo play music for Christmas. And uh, as you might've guessed, it's not Hey Guillermo. It is, uh, the G word, the company, the corporate G word. I didn't want to activate all of your smart speakers by saying it. Uh, and he also has the Hey Guillermo Play Christmas song, uh, the OK Guillermo Play Christmas lo-fi beat. I don't know which one of these song- Christmas songs I like best. It's, um, I, I, and I know what a lot of you are thinking. A lot of you might be thinking that this is just a cynical attempt by this, uh, this uh, underdog musician to trick smart speakers into getting getting uh, plays for his tracks, and that's why he's chosen these songs. You couldn't be more wrong. He just he just has creative inspiration that he understands and he wants to go for. Uh, he uh, he has an actual album. Let me uh, uh, to to make you realize how silly you are. Uh, his album is called Unexpectedly. Okay, Guillermo, play music, and let me go through the track list for you. Again, he again he 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 finds he he finds a, a a vein 
of creative power, and he just mines that. He just mines that all the way to the end. That's where his creative inspiration comes. Uh, the, the track listing is, uh, hey, G, play Christmas music. Hey, G, play cooking music. Hey, G, play instrumental music. Hey, G, play nice music. Play quiet music. Play sleep music. Play study music. Play workout music. Play handpan playlist. Play hang drum. Play meditation music. Play music. Play relaxing music. Play beach music. Play handpans. Um, but, you know, he can get into a rut uh, as an artist, I understand. So that's that's why he's not just isolating himself to this one theme, because he also has albums for uh, uh, Alexa and Siri. Okay, so I, see, I don't know if he's hero or villain here. It's... <laughs> So if this if this were like if 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 this were like the music division of Unilever, let's say, okay, if this were a huge multi-trillion dollar multinational that was trying to game the smart speaker market to get plays for its tracks and and royalties, I would be upset. I would think, isn't that pathetic? But you kind you kind of gotta admire the hustle, can't you? It's like at some point, I don't think this this actually works because uh, it, it might. I. I I did try uh, making some of these requests into my smart speakers, and none of them came up with his band or his his tracks. But again, y- you gotta admire the hustle, <laughs> I think. Well, we hope you uh, you admired this uh, episode of material, despite the fact that it is uh, shockingly and unfortunately flowless. Uh, I hope I was able to bring a measure of flow myself. Uh, and flow meaning like uh, lyrical and musical anyway. Uh, but uh, uh, you can always, uh, if you want to talk about how bad a job I did or how much you miss flow, you can, the best way to get in touch with us and communicate with us about the podcast is to uh, tweet at us. I am Anatko, I-H-N-A-T-K-O on Twitter. Uh, flow is oh, that flow, O-H-T-H-A-T-F-L-O. Uh, if you tweet at us or to at material, we will definitely pick it up and we will definitely uh, uh, see that and we'll probably respond to it. Uh, and if you want to interact with us a little bit more materially, so to speak, you can go to relay.fm slash material and become a supporting member of Relay FM and this podcast. Uh, and, the, and so that uh, with a, uh, with a uh, hopefully a small donation that is uh, that you can definitely swing, uh, it'll actually that money goes right into our pockets. So it gets you entitled to a whole bunch of uh, special episodes that uh, Flo and I and all other Relay.fm podcasters have created just for people who are members of Relay FM. Uh, so that's going to do it for us for this week. Again, we promise uh, that Flow will be back next week. So until then, everybody have an awesome seven days. Bye-bye.